This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. But welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, if you were able to participate in our spring conference and meetings, you may have heard me mention or introduce David Rockland during my president's report at our board meeting, or maybe you turned into the Industry Relations Committee meeting where David gave a presentation on the results of a stakeholder survey regarding USHBC and its impact and performance for the blueberry industry. But in case you missed that opportunity or those moments, I thought it would be important to spend some time here on our podcast to further get to know David and his company, Rockland Dutton Research and Consulting, and the work underway for USHBC. We'll talk a little bit about how that work is related to some of the work he's doing for NABC now too. David is a thought leader in communications measurement analytics. Prior to starting Rockland Dutton Research and Consulting, David spent 17 years running the research and analytics business at Ketchum an international public relations and marketing firm. He is the primary author of the Barcelona Principles, the first ever set of standards for communications measurement. David was the chairman of the International Association for Measurement and Evaluation of Communications. He also served as the chairman of the Institute for Public Relations Communications on PR Measurement and Evaluation, and has been recognized with several industry awards for his leadership in the communications measurement profession. The USHBC has recently contracted with David to help with our strategic plan and developing measurements and evaluations for us. David, thanks for joining me on the business of blueberries. You bet, Casey. Thanks for inviting me today. Really appreciate the opportunity. So, David, that was quite a mouthful, the bio there, introducing who you are. But if somebody were to ask you to summarize what you do today, what do you tell them? Well, I guess first a moment of background about our firm. Rockland is me, Dutton is my wife, and we formed this little company, which is based here on our farm in Maryland. When I retired uh, from running a big chunk of a company called Ketchum, which is one of the really large global PR and marketing companies, and she retired from the head of polling at CBS News, and we thought, because we were still in our 50s, we ought to do something, so we set up this little consulting firm. Uh, In terms of the firm itself, we have a number of different areas we work in. We're a tiny little firm. I mean, we're talking about four people altogether, to be very straightforward about that. Uh, We work for a number of the commodity boards, yours, and and mangoes and avocados, the beef industry as well. We're working with soy for a long time. We also do some polling, which is really my wife's background. For example, we do all the polling for the airline industry on COVID-19. And actually, we were previously doing the polling for them on the Boeing 737 MAX. And then along comes COVID and companies don't really care that much about those 737 MAXs because no planes are going up in the air. We do have, and you mentioned the Barcelona principles. I just fortuitously back in 2010, I ran a program that brought together people from probably 250 different companies, some of them agencies, uh, some of them companies like Philips and FedEx to come up with sort of a standard approach to measuring communications and marketing and promotion. And so our little consultancy now 
does that kind of thing for NATO, for the World Bank, been doing it for the World Health Organization. So we sort of have airplanes, crops, specialty and commodity, and um, big global places. And that really doesn't even dig into your history and experience working at Ketchum, which I know for our work with you kind of makes some of the relationships of people we work with today a small world. Your reputation in the work you're doing today with others in the commodity space, specifically for those of us that are in the research and promotion organizations that are overseen by USDA, your name came up time and time again about somebody who could work with USHBC on what was a need of ours, which is another strategic plan. You know, our current strategic plan was about to expire and we were looking at the need to kind of move things forward with the changing of the leadership of my coming on board, but also the expiring strategic plan. So here was an opportunity to kind of reach out to others in this space to find out who they've been working with. And again, your name came up a number of times, in particular working with Emiliano uh, over there at Avocados on the Commodity Roundtable. And so let's talk a little bit about some of those groups and the work you've done there for them. Well, I think, Casey, I probably, or we probably, owe our relationship to a guy named Lynn Cornwall. So Lynn Cornwall, this is in the late 90s. Lynn was the uh, elected chairman of the board of something called the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And I was helping them deal with public policy issues. And because my background involved a lot of hunting and fishing things, not just doing it, but I, I, I wrote for a long time for Field and Stream and Outdoor Life. Lynn's organization hired me to introduce really ranchers and, and develop a relationship between ranchers and sportsmen's groups. Years later, I was engaged by a woman whose name is Polly Ruland, who was the CEO, same role as you, but for the Beef Checkoff Program. And she was also the chair of the CEO Roundtable, where all you CEOs of checkoffs get together. She brought me to a meeting to uh, talk about measurement stuff. I would have preferred hunting and fishing, but it was measurement stuff. And introduced me to a, a guy named Manuel Michel, who runs the National Mango Board. And he asked me if we do their strategic plan. And we're actually still working with them, not on their plan. I've done two of their plans now, but also the measurement stuff of the plan and their agency. Same kind of thing we're doing with you. And... Manuel introduced us to Emiliano Escobedo, that's the Haas Avocado Board, who then introduces me and us to you. And so this all dates back to this guy, Lynn, who I used to drive around. He had this immense Cadillac. And I would, as the consultant, I was responsible for not only making the appointments to put them on talk shows around the country with sportsmen's groups, but uh, also driving this immense Cadillac while he sat in back uh, drinking beer, so uh, which was always fun and a great time. And eat fried chicken, which you'd think if you're in the beef industry, you wouldn't be doing. But it was a wonderful human being. So it's been very gratifying to be able to really kind of start with beef and wind up with blueberries. And along the way, not have anybody go, oh, no, you should never work with that guy. That'd be a train wreck. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I can appreciate a lot of the experiences here in agriculture that, you know, certainly ladder up to the insights and perspectives that I have been fortunate to kind of glean from your experiences with these different groups. And uh, before we go kind of further into the deep dive of the work underway here by you and your team, 
We first need to take a break for our crop report. We're still just barely getting started with our domestic season, but there has already been some weather challenges and other updates to share with you. So here, once again, is your Blueberry Crop Report. It's time for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry areas. Today, you'll hear from Bill Steed in California, Juan Soria Morales in Mexico, Ken Patterson in Florida, and Alex Cornelius in Georgia. This was recorded on April 28, 2021. Uh, this is Bill Steed with the crop report from California for uh, April 28th. We've had a significant amount of rain and just weather effects over the last probably week. Temperatures have been exceptionally cool across the state, probably slowed things down. We thought we were almost maybe a little ahead, and so we've probably slowed down a little bit. Crop looks very solid. Um, we've had very good weather and conditions for growing this year. We're still in the same numbers we were before, probably about 75,000 plus in the fresh market, you know, split between 40, 45 and conventional, 30, 35 and organic. So I think it's, it's looking good. You know, market prices seem to be favorable and uh, we're rocking and rolling. Uh, good morning. This is Juan Soria from Maneberries. This is going to be the export report for week 16 for Mexico. Uh, during this week, we have had the highest volumes of exports for the season. And next week, we are expecting a gradual decrease of this volume. We have exported a total of 9,000,000.16 pounds to all over the world. Total exports for Mexico for this season are 104 million pounds. If we compare the week, this week with the season the last week, uh, we have around 24% higher. Next week, we are expecting a, a gradual decrease, as I said before, and the production and exports will be close to 7.5 million pounds to all over the world. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Ken Patterson reporting from Florida for the week 16. Uh, Florida is now on the backside of the harvest. South Florida is 75 to 90 percent finished, depending on what varieties are in the field. Arcadia still has a lot of fruit to be harvested in all regions. Central Florida is now 60 to 75 percent harvested, and North Florida has is about 50 to 65 percent. The prices have been stable up to this point, with higher than average returns. There is adequate labor to finish the harvest in Florida, which will probably end for the most part in about two weeks, especially because of the heat wave. Fruit quality has been excellent this year. There are several reports of the Department of Labor checking up on farms, which is typical for this time of year. SWD pressure has been light in all regions. And as of April 24th, USDA is reporting 14.6 million pounds shipped from Florida. And that's my report. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Alex Cornelius from Maynard, Georgia, representing the Georgia blueberry industry. We are excited to have a beautiful day here in, in South Georgia. Um, we've had a little bit of rough weather this past weekend, had a heavy store came, storm came through on Saturday with two to six inches of rain in places and some hail damage in Lake Park, about Austin, Georgia. They're going to survive okay, probably 50% damage in that area. It was limited. The southern part of the state, the Homerville, Waycross, some of the Blackshear area, we've started into harvest pretty well with Patricia, Georgia Dawn, starting to hand pick a few farthing. Farthing is kind of the bread and butter that will um, tote us through the season. That will start, that will start this week 
week 19 will be around the peak area. Patricia is really doing very well again this year. A very nice, large sweet berry. The Alma area has started scrapping some with Baxley probably starting in the next seven to 10 days. Labor has been adequate. Sheds are doing good. And, and I believe everybody's keeping the coolers moved out good. Okay, and that is our report from Georgia. Thank you. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers who take time to participate in these weekly reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our Data and Insight Center to see more data about what's happening in the blueberry industry. We've made a snapshot view of the USDA data on our production and price, an online resource for everyone to access easily and quickly. So be sure to go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. All right, David, back to you. We're going to jump in here now to some more specifics on the, so what are we going to do here for USHBC? And, you know, part of our work contracted with you was that a measurement and evaluation, which, you know, as we talked about in your background has been kind of a cornerstone of your career and working with these other groups and, and really the importance of our organization in particular to be able to report back in a meaningful way to the board and to the industry at large as to how are we affecting change. Now, granted, we all are responsible for a five-year study, which we do with Cornell, and I know you're familiar with that report. So what's the difference between the work we're doing with you on the measurement and evaluation framework versus you know what Dr. Kaiser at Cornell does every five years for any of these commodity groups? What Harry's doing is looking at things from a very macroeconomic perspective, looking at all the factors in the U.S. economy that could affect basically sales of blueberries. How much did USHBC's work contribute to those sales? Or asked differently, over that five-year period, if there was no USHBC, then how much lower would sales have been? And from that, he says, okay, this is how much lower sales have been. And so this is what USHBC spent. Here was your return, which I think in your case, is like about a 15 to $1 return. Um, 18, but yes, you're close. 18, 18 <laughs> even better. So what's different here? So that's a very big macroeconomic look every five years. It doesn't tell you prescriptively what was working and what wasn't or what could have made that an 18 number 25. In the same way, what we do for you is quite the sort of micro level of that. It's looking at you spend a lot of money on promotion, marketing, communications. What's the return you get today or in this time period versus a macroeconomic look over five years? If this organization didn't exist for the last five years, what would have been different? So these measurement things that we set up and yours is based, frankly, the one we did for you is, is very similar to the one we did for NATO, which is very similar to the one we did for the World Bank, which is very similar to the one we did for the airline industry. And so it's using an approach, which you mentioned early on, the Barcelona principles that comes out of that. The approach that now has been adopted by FedEx, uh, Phillips, Southwest Airlines, McDonald's, GM. So I don't want to in any way say it's my approach. It's one that became the industry standard. And I happen to have just been in, sort of on the podium when all that took place. And basically what it does is give you a, a language so that your growers and your importers have 
numbers that make sense to them that are understandable when you do a marketing uh, program or a promotion here's what you get here's how it shifts people's mindsets here's how it drives sales it's trying to bring it down to the micro level whereas Harry is doing it the five year look sure and for me you and I've talked about this but I think you know for those listening it's a bit about appreciating what this is setting up for Again, that's different than what that report shares in being able to measure on an annual basis for a management plan, for a governance structure. And maybe you can talk a little bit too about the implementation of this. So you've essentially delivered this part of your project to us. How long does it take for an organization like ours who, who hasn't had the history of this type of measurement and evaluation framework as a part of its reporting, the language we use, how long before you see the successful adoption of this on average? I think successful adoption takes two parts. In terms of the making of the numbers and reporting the parts, that should go pretty quick. Your agencies, Padilla and Food Mines and SRG, have good research people who work there. They help develop the application of this framework for USHBC. They're signed on. So they got people who can do this right away. We don't need to do big, long trainings of things. They, they got the lingo. They got the approach. They even have the reporting templates, and they're using them. I think what's a little harder is that you want to get your board and your growers, uh, you want them to start thinking this way, using this language. And really, that's a conversation that you lead, but your agencies ought to be helping make that happen. And over time, your promotions committee, when they have their agencies in, your VP of marketing, Jenny Sparks, she ought to be pushing that idea on a consistent basis. So I'd say a year to give you a completely different sense of it. We developed this for the World Bank. It took us about a year to make the whole thing and do some training. They have 750 people in communications in the World Bank, and they're doing this on an ongoing basis. And I think realistically, they're probably on a four-year journey to do it. When we did this with UNICEF, they have 600 communications employees this is relevant to. It took them about four years to do. I would think in your case, you get your agencies lined up. You say, this is how we want you to do it. It's up to them to make it happen. It ought to be six months. Yeah. And I I think you're right. I think we're already seeing kind of that uptick and, and certainly how that's actually already translated to our contracting work. So I'm really excited about it. You know, I could maybe nerd out on this a little bit with you on how this changes the kind of the culture of our industry, our organization, and certainly the throughput of reports on what's happening. But I thought we'd spend a little time here with you sharing some of that work that's been done, the method at which you, you know, move forward with that, and then some of the results that you've gleaned from the results we've got back from those surveys and interviews. So, yeah, we have done an industry survey. We've also done uh, roughly about 50 interviews between the strategic planning process and this United Blueberry Task Force we're engaged with, I know we'll talk about here in a few minutes. And sort of a key point, a survey gives you some data. Interviews give you some more data. What you're trying to do is paint a three-dimensional picture of something. The survey and cuts of it give you some of the dimensions. Interviews give you more dimensions. Going out and seeing gives you another dimension, which is a little harder with COVID, although I was very glad to see 
Emily Pete, who works on our staff, got a chance to visit Bill Steed's farm and experience it and spend a good chunk of a day with him last Thursday on Earth Day, coincidentally. And so all of that helps us try to get a handle on the things that will be important in your strategic plan. Your strategic plan basically says, here's who we are, here's how where we're going, here's how we work together, and here are the things we're going to do. And the measurement stuff is, and here's how we're going to know if we did okay. The survey gives us some of the data that helps inform that, tells us what's important, what's not as important. But it's only as good as really the sample you get. It's only as good as the time period with which it's going on. And, you know, and maybe that's one of the things to know. And it's very important why the interviews become so very, very important is, you know, when your survey took place, which was January into February, you had your industry 201 thing going on, right? You got different factions of the industry on two sides of an issue. You also had the whole aftermath of the U.S. presidential elections, the uh, COVID, the whole feeling of malaise in the country and distrust of institutions and government. So you wouldn't want to just take the survey and say, okay, that's the answer, because frankly, there's a lot of stuff going on way beyond your control that affects or could affect the results. So what are the clues you're seeing so far? Maybe this is a question just about the survey, but what are we seeing? What are we hearing? There are some clear things that are the key drivers. Promotion, health research. Those two got to be in the plan. Those got to be pillars as they are now and expanded on. However, one of the things that comes up that isn't quite in the plan, and, and you mentioned it a few minutes ago with your crop report in terms of data, is there is an opportunity to create a database here of supply, demand, shipments, crops, inventory, pricing, which is akin to what the mango industry is now developing and the avocado industry already has, suddenly data, information that helps them manage their business, in essence, create an open market because everybody has the information on supply and demand and price, that becomes a huge thing. So foreshadowing, the survey would say data. Is it something that comes up in pretty much every single interview I've done of industry people and stakeholders? Pretty much. We know we got to have a data program built out by USHBC going forward over the next few years, or at least plan on it. Is there anything that just stood out to you as surprising about USHBC that was unique to USHBC and compared to your work with other commodity boards? I mean, look, every one of them's different, okay? In the interviews, And in the survey, sustainability, not a hot topic. Until in the interviews, you say, well, is it going to be hot in five years from now? It's a five-year plan. Oh, yeah. Let's flip that over to the beef industry or the avocado industry. Sustainability is huge for them. In fact, Emiliano or the Haas Avocado Board's five-year strategic plan entirely revolves around sustainability throughout their entire supply chain. They're setting up a sustainability center. Now, there's nothing in your research that would suggest you should set up a sustainability center too. But I think there's a recognition both in the survey and then from the interviews that this is something that's probably going to be more relevant to you in about five years. And hence, we're going to be looking at this as something we're going to be needing to think about down the road. 
you know, during this time that you're working with us on this USHBC side of things, you know, we actually have contracted you over on the NABC side of the house to help us tackle some of the things that could eventually play into the USHBC strategic plan and, and the NABC strategic plan. And it is this, you know, unique circumstance that I think you find yourself in where Blueberries has this kind of left hand, right hand, this organization relationship with the NABC, USHBC, and Jill's Beef World. They call that the two hat organizations where they've got, you know, one that can work in the ag commodity trade association lane. And then they've got the other one that's the research and promotion organization that's overseen by USDA, the mandatory checkoff that they're basically under the same management and the benefits of those organizations are that they're able to take the best of both organizational entities and head the resources the right direction. So I thought we'd spend a little time talking about the uh, United Blueberry Task Force, which you've been contracted on the NABC side of things to facilitate that discussion. So maybe you could talk a little bit about you know what it is that we're working on with you on the NABC side of the house. Sure. And, and just to draw the, the connection back to USHBC's strategic plan, basically there are some things that USHBC could be doing that this task force will undoubtedly, when it meets for the first time in two days from now, three days from now, articulate that should be part of the organization's strategic plan. So that's, that's basically the link. But you also have the real need after you've had this ITC investigation and, and the outcome where you have two sides. This is two sides that really needs to be united and focus on its future as opposed to, so to speak, fighting among themselves. You know, let's get household penetration up, you know, in the 60% range and price above, let's say, 350 a pound so that everybody does better than break even. There are some broader issues there. Some of those potentially solved with USHBC programs. Some of them perhaps might need involvement that really USHBC can't be doing, such as government programs. And you know, with a farm bill coming up in 2023, an opportunity to perhaps look at things in the farm bill that might be relevant to the industry that would be important to articulate, bring out in the open, and then perhaps address either legislatively or through appropriations uh, or even through regulations potentially. So this NABC work is often talking to many of the same people we're talking to with the strategic plan for USHBC, but also a whole lot of others. And really with the mindset of how do we move beyond anything coming out of 201? Let's not keep looking in the rearview mirror and look at how much of this opportunity to bring the industry together and most importantly grow it can be done by USHBC and might need to be done let's say under NABC's umbrella instead and that's the real balancing act to figure out and it's early days all the interviews are by and large done I think I have one more tomorrow and then we have our first task force meeting on Thursday and my hope is that in that you know people instead of wanting to rehash the past because there were winners and losers. I mean, let's, let's be straightforward with it. And there were reasons there were winners and losers. Let's put that behind us and figure out, okay, the focus needs to be to build the industry. Supply has begun to outpace demand. We got to get demand up. If demand goes up, price goes up, people are in a better place. And that's really got to be the focus. 
Yeah, there's some good fundamentals there. I think too, in terms of kind of sense of the drumbeat of different interests. I think you mentioned data, but you know certainly the need to look at some of our strategic approaches towards uh, consumer marketing, channel work with uh, you know food service, food global food manufacturers, uh, ways in which that you know we're investing our time and talent into trying to drive consumption exports. Another big area that I hear over and over again of need for USHBC if not USHBC, then who? And there really isn't anything behind there, you know, that can carry the water on behalf of the industry to, to make those market shifts and, and drive that kind of demand to, again, outpace that supply. So I'm excited about this task force. You know, I, I think it's, you know, an important point that we're able to kind of bring this table together, you know, and it'll be interesting to see how that then relates to the work of the USHBC and our work on the strategic planning some exciting conversations. You know, I often say that if you look at, you know, the importance of being able to bring people together, USHBC and NABC together have been a great magnet of industry thinking and leadership. And so it'll be great to, you know, see what comes from this task force that then can move towards the respective boards, leadership, and then decisions. So as, as we kind of wrap up here, you know, I know you've done a lot of work, David, outreaching the industry leaders. Obviously, we've surveyed everybody, but you know we don't want to leave any stone unturned in the work here, ensuring that we have kind of heard all the things and, and considered all the information. Jill's on board. You know, I think a way we could encourage people to jump in here and give us any more thoughts, feelings, you know, questions, suggestions to you and to this effort would be to contact Jill. You, know, you can do that through industry at ushbc.org. That could be a great way to communicate to you about anything our audiences are considering thinking that they think would be important to the go forward for USHBC. Yeah, and you know, um, you can do surveys, you can do interviews, you can do all this stuff, but you know, always know you've heard from everybody. And you sort of want to make sure you do the best job you can, but you also kind of want to put it on people who would say, oh, I never expressed my opinion. I never had that opportunity. Well, here is the opportunity. I mean, whatever any of the people who listen to this podcast want to see out of USHBC doing funding being for the next five years, right about now would be a good time to say something. That's right. Well, and I know in light of the experience we've had with virtual meetings, we've had more people participating than ever in those virtual gatherings obviously not quite the same as being able to get together in person. But again, you know, we're listening and wanting to engage this industry on the exciting possibilities. So we're listening. And if you'd like to reach out to David or myself or to Jill to talk a little bit about your thoughts of the future ahead for the blueberry industry, we encourage you to be a part of this process. Reach out through uh, email. You can contact, like I said, Jill, who's monitoring industry at ushbc.org. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our strategic planning process and the work here ahead for USHBC. So before I let you go, David, is there anything else you'd like to share or any any other insights that you could leave us with as we go go from here? I think this industry is poised at a really exciting moment. The exciting moment is kind of in a way where avocados was 20 years ago. There is an opportunity if it focuses on building the industry globally to drive demand through the roof and to focus on growing the industry as a whole and building demand. 
I mean, my wife watched in CBS Sunday Morning as a repeat of it from January 3rd. You have Dr. Sanjay Gupta on there who's come out with a book about how to keep, as you age, how to stay brain healthy. And what's he say to eat? Blueberries. Right there, you have an aging demographic, baby boomers in the United States focused on worried about things like dementia and Alzheimer's. It's an incredible calling. And frankly, aging baby boomers who have money, to be blunt about it, have more money than these millennials who talk so much, that, you know, there's an opportunity. That may be the next antioxidant or whatever it is. But I think this industry has tremendous upside to it, and it almost needs to focus on that collectively, and I think we'll get there. Well, and it's funny you say that, because if I'm channeling my inner Denny Doyle who would say history would show that avocados was chasing blueberries once. And, uh, you know, between the health halo and the blue wave of experience that the growers and the industry experienced not that long ago, I think we're poised for another blue wave that can, to your description, you know, kind of blow the roof off of the experience we've had to date. And I think a good strategic plan will do that. I I honestly believe the input you're getting and the feedback and the timing of this strategic plan is critical for the cooperation and the coordination of the collective will uh, moving forward. So this has been a great conversation. And certainly I appreciate your leadership and your team's work in all the interviews and all the input that you're getting and your willingness to kind of keep pushing us through improving our organization and our industry in kind. So we appreciate your work on this, David, and and look forward to some of the results yet ahead. Thank you, Casey. It's always a pleasure to visit with you. and, And thank you for this opportunity to talk to your listeners. Well, I hope those of you listening enjoyed our conversation with David here today. I have the pleasure of getting to kind of pick his brain and hearing more about his perspective on Obviously, the work he's done with a lot of other larger organizations, but certainly those organizations that he's worked inside of with agriculture specifically look like ours, do work like ours. And it's just been a great pleasure to have the chance to bring him into the USHBC and look around and talk to our industry leadership about what more we could be doing on behalf of our stakeholders and our industry and our growers. And I'm sure you've noticed a theme here for USHBC. I am always looking for ways to be more responsive. I think our organization culture is driving to be more responsive, strategic, and efficient in our operations, and that return back to our growers. I would say a couple of just quick highlights, key takeaways for me in this episode was just, you know, the different ways in which we are working to source the information gathering underway right now for the USHBC strategic planning process. I liked his explanation that there's a multi-dimensional approach to this. It's not just the survey we're listening to. It's not just the industry, the board members, the, you know, particular leaders. We're, we're gathering this information for our planning purposes from a variety of sources. And it's taking place right now in, in a snapshot of time that is all the things that David mentioned and we discussed. And so Uh, We really want to hear from as many people as possible to make this as multidimensional as possible. So it's just going to be important that, you know, USHBC is open to everyone's thoughts and opinions from all corners of our industry. We want to hear from you on how we could be doing it differently, better, same. What is it that uh, matters most to you who are listening and who have have a stake in this industry going forward? So we really 
consider this opportunity, this next five-year plan to be monumental in the future ahead. So take some time, think about our conversation today. And if you've got anything you'd like to add to this conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries.